right, good morning, everyone. You ready to stand up and worship us this morning? Have you have a good week? All right, let's see what God's source this morning. When the stars burn down and the earth wears out and we stand before the throne, with the witnesses who have gone before, we will rise and all applaud. Singing blessing and honor and glory and power forever to our God. Singing blessing and honor and glory and power forever to our God.
for just your Holy Spirit, just being very present here. Um, help us. We are overwhelmed by so much in our lives. We're overwhelmed by when we turn on the news. We're overwhelmed by the, um, by the statistics in the world of poverty. We're overwhelmed by the statistics of addiction in our own community and world. And God, yet um, the thing we need to be overwhelmed with is your Holy Spirit. Because God, that sustains us, that guides us, that strengthens us to do what you call us to do. And so, God, during the kickoff today of uh, the introduction of our series, Crazy Love, um, God, just teach us to be more crazy in love with you and just have that spirit of, uh, of the living God, the one that raised Jesus from the dead, empower all of us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, at this time, our children can go to our Shoreline Sunday School Ministry. And everybody else, greet someone around you, say hello, and all kinds of other good stuff. All right, all right. In the words of Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right. Here we go. How you doing? Everybody ready for worship today? Thank you. All right. Good to see you all today. Welcome, everyone who's here. We welcome you today. Hope that, um, number one, if you're visiting with us today, welcome. Uh, you're our guest. First thing, relax. 
Just let God connect to you in any special way that you would have him do that. Um, we want you to have a good time. If you're joining with us online for the first time, welcome. Um, you know, it's amazing. If you ever take a look, if you're on Facebook Live, welcome. Glad to see you. There's always a, several hundred a week that go ahead and check us out online. So we want to welcome you. You're part of our church as well. Um, or whether you're just through the app or whether you're on regular line, welcome. Um, for everyone else uh, that you're here, if you want to become a member, if you're interested in membership at Haven, our Haven 101 class. Members, one of those weighty words, but um, if you want to connect more here, we have that information session. Or if you just want to learn more about why we exist and why we're still here, um, that's always a good question. Um, go ahead and check that out. Uh, you can see information about Stephen Ministry. Um, we are uh, they're closing applications for that. If you are interested in Stephen Ministry, we want you to connect there as well. Um, or and you can see the information that we have. Right there. Uh, Crazy Love is starting next week. Today I am giving an introductory to the Crazy Love series. Um, and so we're gonna, um, we're gonna, I'm going to give you a little flavor of where we're headed. Um, and then Crazy Love is based off of the Bible, but is the Bible based off of um, a guy named Francis Chan put together a book um, here. Terry, you are the book giver outer in Debbie's absence, right? So Terry, if you, want, if you want a book, if you signed up for one, or if you still want to, that's fine. If you look in the front row, there are clipboards, probably far removed from anyone um, in the front row. And so if you have that first clipboard, that's if you want to sign up to be involved in a small group. Um, we have several different small groups all over the place, several different days. We'd love for you to connect. It's a great way if you want to get connected. We have them down near Chesapeake City, right? Right? We have them around here. We have them in Charlestown. We have them all over the place. So connect, connect, connect. I know there's even a men's group, I believe. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? So there's a men's group that we're going to have. So we have lots of different opportunities for you to connect, and we want you to do so because it's, it's great. You really will connect further. Um, for about the next six or seven weeks, we're going to be talking about, not about the book per se, but about the interpretations from Scripture that I really believe are very important for our church today. So we have the book and the guide out there, and we want you to um, really uh, be, part, be part of uh, our connection. So we have the, that information. That is our church-wide study. If you have other information, you can contact Debbie DiBergilio, our lay leader, um, today on that. Um, if you want to also connect with Sunday school teaching, you can also do that. We also have some opportunities there. Um, so if you'd like to connect to that, a big thank you for our Hurricane Harvey relief. Uh, uh, Katie Racine Doan, who many of you know, um, lives down there now, and her community around her was affected. And you can see that right now we have sent five thousand dollars to our, our members. They connect all the time online because they can't get to church because they're in Texas. That's a good excuse. Um, we'll give that to them. But they have gone ahead and taken every penny that we have given and made sure that helps people um, who, may never, who may never recover um, what they lost in this. And you, um, you can see on the website and other things, you can still give to that, and we'll make sure every single bit goes to help them. Um, if you uh, want to go ahead and check on that. Also, um, in your front row, there's another clipboard, I think, um, around there. So if you didn't get it, you can send that around. That's for trunk or treat, um, people who are willing to connect with that. We've done, this is like year three or four, I think. And last year, there's lots of candy and lots of uh, trunks, cars decorated. Um, and all you have to do is decorate your trunk and have a good time and have some candy, or they might pop your tires. I don't know. So, um, but that's not, who knows? They won't do that. I will. Um, but it's, it's all good. Okay, so we have those. Again, continue to lift up in prayer our, 
our sister church now, we say, um, in Haiti. Um, Pastor Oog sent me a message. His, I told, mentioned to you his father-in-law died when they were at the funeral for his father-in-law. His, he got a call that his uncle died. So they're dealing with lots of death. Um, but he did also last week send me a picture saying that um, for thanking us for all the, all the uh, resources and everything we've given to them, that he, because he was able to keep his car um, one of the ladies who we gave a tree to, I, I think I might have mentioned this, but I want to mention it again. Um, she was pregnant at the time, and she went into labor when they were at church. And because he had his car, he was able to take her to Port-au-Prince. And he then sent me a picture of the little baby girl and says, Haven Community Church now has physical fruit in Haiti. So uh, thank you again for, to all of you doing that, all right? Um, something else that I want to share with you um, there's a 5K walk, run, or stroll, a walk to remember the Reverend Jim Jones um, from Rising Sun. Jim was a very good friend of mine. And to raise funds for dementia and Alzheimer's. It will be Saturday, October 21st at 9 a.m. at Fair Hill um, at the Stafford Pavilion. The cost is $25, and you can sign up at elkdenumc.org or at janesumc.org or in person on the day of the event. Um, Jim was a very good friend of mine. Um, I... I uh, I saw on Facebook, and I really appreciate that um, Rising Sun now named the entrance into uh, Jane's Church as uh, Re- the Reverend Jim Jones Way, right? Isn't that what it's called? So um, I, I know he would, he would brag a lot about that <laughs> and say, I got a road, what do you got? You know, something like that. That would be Jim. Um, and so we, we, he, uh, the battle was Alzheimer's, and dementia took him early in life and took him earlier in this year. And so if you can go ahead and want to connect to that, that would be a great opportunity for a man who meant a lot to me in my life as a mentor um, and a good friend. So if you want to connect with that, um, we'll make sure we get that information up on the web and maybe link to where you can go ahead and, and register for that as well. Um, prayers today for Donna, who is out sick, um, for sister-in-law uh, um, Judy, who um, has breast cancer, and pray for guidance and healing. And Lisa has asked for prayers for Ricky Pierce, who is battling prostate cancer. All right. Do we have anyone else that we need to touch on in our prayer list real quick? We have? All right. Well, let's go to Lord in prayer now. Heavenly Father, we uh, once again come to you in this time of need and prayer. Uh, We come to you in lifting up all those who are struggling or suffering from any kind of illness or disease, or loss, um, whatever it may be, God, um, we know that you have the answers, and you are going to bring, bring your peace and your guidance to that situation. And so, God, as we continue our service this time, it seems like the theme word of the needs today deals with the, the term cancer. And so we know what a horrific disease this, this has been that affects so many people. And, um, God, we just ask for your healing to be upon their lives as they face ways to deal with breast cancer and for prostate cancer and all kinds of other things. God, we also recognize that there may be people who are watching us today and they're watching online because their health may be to a point that they just can't physically move. They can't physically, um, uh, they, they have problems barely breathing. But, God, I pray that the, the words that we speak right now will just minister your healing, that they will hear you talking specifically to them, and that you'll sh- reveal to them how much, just how much that you love them. So, God, um, you love us so much, and I've been so thankful that, um, for this church that uh, is so giving and loving, that gives to our community through Rotating Shelter, um, through the Paris Foundation, 
through Community Kitchen, uh, and just to name a few. Um, through the Monarch House, uh, God, I mean, it just goes on and on. I thank you that, we've, that you've called this church to expand our ministry and to help our sister church in, uh, in Haiti with uh, Pastor Oog. Um, that three or four days of a trip that we thought we were going to help somebody else, God, you used your Holy Spirit to reach out in a mighty and powerful way. And then, God, we've got needs here, and we've got uh, other areas to reach out to so many others. We don't keep any of it. We don't want to keep any of it here. We want it all to go for you. And so, God, we want to be the church that you called us to be, the one that you said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. No matter where we are from, and no matter where we are here, no matter, we could be all the way across the country today watching online, but God, you brought us together through the power of your Holy Spirit here right now. For the many blessings that we receive uh, through you, that we are born in a country that has, yes, it has lots of issues, but God, we, are the, uh, we have the greatest country that there is on earth. Even with all our flaws and all our problems, we are blessed more than, more than most of the entire world in many ways. So God, during this time, we take time to go ahead and honor you by giving you back in, in the financial blessings area so that we can meet these ministries here and around the world. So God, your scripture says you love a cheerful giver. Help us give freely, not out of obligation. And if we feel obligated, God, have us not give. But God, may you take what you receive and multiply and use it so that you can push us forward to do the ministry that you've called us to do. And we'll give your name glory and honor forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray. to you. 
Today's scripture reading is from John chapter 17, 1 through 10. First section is titled, Jesus Prays to be Glorified. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those who have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the one, only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I brought you the glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Next section is titled, Jesus Prays for His Disciples. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those who have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. Everybody good? Are you good? Okay, here we go. We are getting ready to start on a journey. It is a journey into crazy love. Everybody say crazy love. I like that. That's good. Okay. All right. Let me ask you a question before we get rolling. Has anybody ever done anything that's considered crazy for love? Anybody ever done anything crazy? You have? All right. Way to go, Harry. There we go. We got another one, Ray. All right. Uh, Anybody else done anything crazy for love? Like this, huh? Oh, we're in church, we can't say it. Okay, there we go. There we go, we go back there. We've done some things that are crazy, crazy for love. I remember um, when Melissa and I started dating, I would give her a, uh, flowers every month. You know, that went away real quick. Um, I even wrote poems, didn't I? 
She's like afraid I'm going to read it. So look at her. So she's like, I hope not. I may. You keep coming back. I may read a poem one week. You'd be like, that's awesome, Jack. Way to go. And Melissa will kill me afterwards, but it'll be awesome. All right. I, I, we did all kinds of crazy things. One of the craziest things I did when we were dating is I got on a, a roller coaster. And if anybody knows me, I hate roller coasters. I despise them. And it was an old rickety one. And she told me uh, not to cuss because we were with a church group. And when I was on there, whoever the Baptist was behind me, he was throwing out some words, and none of them were holy. Um, I was throwing them out inside just to let you know, but it wasn't happening. So I got on, on, on uh, roller coasters. Now that we're married, I'm like, you enjoy, okay? And we don't have to do those things. I, I was looking up some things, and I, I you know, you got to love the Internet in certain ways. As I began to look up some things about what people, um, what uh, crazy things that had caused people um, that were in love to do. And I found, um, I found several different ones of them. I found one that a guy shared that he was uh, in college and this girl was in the lab and he really liked her. And so he would always make an excuse to need somebody to help him study in the lab for this. And then after going there for a couple weeks, he found out that she was engaged, but that did not deter him. And he went ahead and bought a ring and he was going to ask her to marry him. But then she found, he found out that this other guy who was hanging around just happened to be her fiance. And so it was coming to the end of the semester. And at the end of the semester, this guy kept waiting for this guy to leave. And finally he left. And so he went ahead and he got down on one knee and said, I know you're engaged and you have a fiance, but here's this ring that I bought for you. I want you to marry me. And as he got right in the middle of that, in comes the fiance. And he said, he tells the story. He said, um, and actually he just stood there and watched it happen. And she listened to me and she goes, Thank you, but as you can see, I already have a fiancé. I don't need another one. And he said, then he walked away. He thought everybody was, like, going to pee themselves is what he wrote. Um, another one I heard where there was, an, um, there was a, uh, people who were uh, boyfriend and girlfriend in college, in the freshman year of college, and they, went, uh, they were taking Russian all year and decided to study all summer in Russia. And right before the semester got over, she broke up with him. And he said, well, I'm going to go because I know if we are in Russia that she'll fall in love with me once again. And he said it didn't quite work out like that. They went over there and he had to room with an 80-year-old Russian lady who was not very nice. And, the whole, and, and he said after they were there for about a couple weeks, she ended up finding a Russian boyfriend that he actually decided to befriend to see if he could get her back. And then he said, she, they ended up leaving, uh, she ended up, uh, they were getting ready to leave as the summer was coming over, and as they were doing so, uh, what ended up happening was, he went to, the, um, to leave the country, and there was something wrong with his visa, and he had to stay three more days, so he called the old lady and found out that she had left and would be gone for a month. So he said the only person he had left to call would have been his ex-girlfriend's boyfriend. He said, I couldn't do that, so he spent the remainder of his time in Russia um, staying in um, in, uh, on, at the beach or in uh, bus stops or something else. And he said, and he was flat broke by the time he got home. Broken heart and broken wallet. And probably one of the most crazy things I've ever seen for love was written by this guy who said he saw this young girl that was taking a class with him and she was really distraught and he began to really, really like her. So the lesson that you're learning here is watch out who you fall in love with in school. Because um, he said this, he said that she was really distraught one day, and he became close to her, a little bit closer to her, and she said, my brother needs a kidney transplant, and he needs it, and he said where they were going to school was in a less than uh, top uh, of the world society, and as they were there, he, th- he, thought, he said to her, he thought, well, she'll go out with me if I give my kidney. Not lying. 
And so he said, if I'm a match, I will give your brother my kidney. And she said, would you really? And yes, and she was like, so he started asking her out. They went, got tested, and guess what? He was a match for the kidney. So he didn't tell his family because he knew they would go ballistic. He told them right as he was going in with surgery. They went into surgery. They went for the kidney. Went ahead, um, and as, as the guy was getting better, he noticed that she started making more excuses for not going out with him and not connecting with him. And eventually she just said, um, no, um, I, I really don't want to go out with you because you see, the person who has the kidney is not my brother but my fiancé. Oh. Crazy for love, am I right? <laughs> Crazy for love. So hold on to your organs, your kidneys, and your heart, and everything else. For we always talk about our heart being stolen and broken, but some people actually give kidneys away for love. And so we do some crazy things when it comes to love. And the verse that Andy read for you today, I'm going to unpack even more. We're going to go through it. I'm going to read through it very quickly. And then we're going to, because I want everybody to hear the whole section. It's going to be up here, or you can open up your Bibles, or if you have a Bible app, into John chapter 17. This is Jesus after the Last Supper. He's saying goodbye to all his disciples. He's telling them what's going to happen. And here's what he says here. He says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those whom you have given. Now, and hold on to this verse. Now, this is eternal life. This is the definition of eternal life. That they know you. Remember last week, gnosko, that they know you intimately. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in the presence with the glory I had before you when the world began. So in other words, Jesus had this incredible glory and majesty he set aside to come to earth. Now in verse 6, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. So now Jesus is praying for the disciples. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be, the, uh, they may be one as we are one. Verse 12, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me, None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture will be fulfilled. That would be Judas. And verse 13, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is that you take them, you, you not take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be sanctified. So now he prays for every believer. My prayer is not only for them alone, but I also pray for all who believe in me through their message. That's all of us. That all of them may be one just as You are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
I have given them glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. And then I want you to skip down to, uh, I'm going to skip down a little bit to, uh, I'll keep going. Here we go. I and and them and you and me, so that they may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me, have loved them even as I have loved you. And here we go. We're wrapping this up. Father, I want those you have given to me to be where I am and to see your glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and they will continue to make you known in order that the love, here we go, the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. What in the world does this mean? Did I just read a verse of scripture just to make myself feel good? No. Um, I I read this because I want to show you that this really displays a lot of God's crazy love and the crazy love that we have for God. See, I have said and I've heard people say more and more, Church is hard now. I've talked to very pastors, many pastors. I've talked to people in areas of ministry. I've heard people say, man, youth group's hard now. I've heard people say, church is hard now. There's so much else in the world competing with the church and with God, and and it's just hard. It's just hard anymore. And at times in my life, I've even helped people come up with excuses for not believing in God. You know, I know you're just on this journey. You're on this kind of thing, and we've done that to be nice. And I think the church, one of the things that we find out is a lot of people, even people in the church, are not believing in what God can do fully as the God in the Scripture and in many of our lives. You see, we need to stop giving people excuses not to believe in God. Like many people say, you know, I believe in God, but just not organized religion. Anybody ever heard that statement? Anybody? I believe in God, but you know, the church... Is this. And, it, you know, when I started to look at this, as I said, you know, if we are really and truly the church living as Christ called us to be, not this church, but every church, no one would be able to say that or use the church as a scapegoat. If the church actively lived out the way Christ caused us to be, the body of Christ, then people would say, you know, I see what that church is doing, but I don't know that I'm ready to l- believe in God like that. You know what I mean? That if we actively live that out. You see, ultimately, we as a church universal have a problem. It's not that we're lazy or wishy-washy. I mean, that's there too. Let's, let's, let's say it as is. But here's the problem. Our problem is we have an inaccurate view of God. We have a wrong view of who God is. And you see, when people in the world, when we look at that, when people in the world don't see God in us, they can reject God because of us. But when they see God in us, they, ha- they have to reject God because of their own hard heart. You see, if they really see who God is in us, you can't possibly reject God. In other words, in several times in our lives that we say one thing and we do something else. You know, it, the, the nature of the church is to, lo- Jesus said, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, in many ways that we see, it's easy to say, I love God. I love God. Do you love God? Who loves God? You love God? I love God. I love God. Until that neighbor of mine does something on my property, right? Or until that person cuts me off on Route 40. 
or until that person I hear at work talking about me. Then I'm not so loving. Because what Jesus was really saying is, and I've said this several times, you display how you love God by how you relate and love to others. That's pretty crazy. I mean, imagine if the person that you love most in, in the world, that your relationship is depicted, how much you love them. You can say, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you all the time. And it's depicted by the way you treat everybody else around you. That's a lot harder, isn't it? It's a, it's a, a lot, lot harder. So we have this problem that there's an inaccurate view of God that we say one thing and we do different things. And we've all, I'd say any one of us who has been part of a church at all has had a time where people that profess to be Christians displayed anything else but that. Am I right? If you believe me, say, hallelujah. If you experienced it yourself, say, amen. amen. And if you don't want to admit to it, say, not me. All right. If you don't want to admit that you're the one who probably did that, because a lot of times we have that situation like Francis Cham. You'll hear some different quotes from him in this. Listen to what he says here. Let's look at this. We see here's our view of God. We see him, God, as a benevolent being who is satisfied when people manage to fit him into their life in some small way. And ultimately, that's one of, the, one of the things that we have in our life, that God is a part of everything else of our life. He said, we forget that God never had an identity crisis. God knows he's great, and God deserves to be the center of our lives. Wow, that's amazing when we hear that, hear that quote. And you know, one of the things about love is when you receive love, what are some things that you get when you receive love? What? Candy? And we get kisses, right? Who wants a kiss? Here you go. I'm going to give you guys some kisses today. Here you go. Kisses coming your way. There you go. So you can tell everybody your pastor kissed you today in church, all right? We're going to greet each other with a holy kiss. This is a kiss in church. It's holy. All right, here you go. There you go. All right. So if you fall asleep today in church, I'm going to hit you with a kiss, all right? So pay attention. Here we go. Oh, one kiss here. One more. Here we go. There you go, Dale. There's a kiss for you, all right? Don't worry, there's more. I got a whole bag in there, okay? A.W. Tozer, anybody ever heard of A.W. Tozer, a great biblical scholar and teacher said, when it comes into our mind, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So when you think about God, do you think of God as this far removed, kind of sitting somewhere, waiting to part our our hair with lightning bolts? Do you think about God that set this thing in motion and just here? Or do you think about God that is the greatest love of your life? We need to really em- embrace and look at these. And in Jeremiah 9, Jeremiah writes this, but those who wish to boast, and he's talking about people who are just really like talking about how great they are. You don't even know anybody who says, I am just awesome. And they may not just say, I am just awesome. They just come out and like, Danny, don't you dare point at me. That's not funny. We all know that I'm awesome, but no. Um, but we know that there's some people who just go, they just talk like you say, hey, guess what? My kid got an, a on, uh, got an A on the test. My kid gets A's on every test. And you're like, I hate you, okay, you know? Um, or like you say, hey, guess what? You know, I got, I got a, uh, a promotion at work. Uh, that's all right. Um, that's, congratulations. You're still about three levels below me. Um, you know, those kind of things that people just, everything is just about them and everything's wonderful. And listen to what it says here. There are those who are in the faith too. You ever know people who, who pray, you know, uh, like scripture says that God enables us with groans and wor- that words can't express. And sometimes the best prayer is this. Ugh. God, like, I don't know what to pray for, God, but I'm just like, 
And God's got, I got it. You know what I mean? And some people want to make it all flowery and everything. Like my dad said he had somebody one time that came to their church. I think I shared this before. Came to the church and he was talking normal. And then when he got up, he started speaking in a British accent. Hello, I'm going to speak about God. And you're like, what? He looked at my mom and was like, what happened? I don't know. And the guy stepped down and was normal. It was like an effect in order to make himself higher, of a higher level. But look at what the scripture says. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me. And God says, if you want to boast, boast to people that you know me intimately and understand that I am the Lord. I am sovereign. I'm in charge of everything. I am. That's why God said when Moses went to him and said, who shall I say sent me? He says, tell him I am what I am. In other words, I'm Popeye God. I am what I am. I'll be what I want to be. I'm the man. I'm God, right? So, so that they know this, that they know that I am the Lord who demonstrates, un- look, what does he demonstrate? Unfailing love, that no matter what you do, no matter what situation, no matter the life you live, no matter what you've been into, no matter the pig pen you've been into, you still have a God who's in charge of everything, who says, I'm the man, and my love never stops for you. My love never, ever stops. And I bring justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things. I delight in the fact that you're a mess and I still love you. I delight in the fact that I'm in control of everything. I delight in the fact that even the world, no, the world's a mess and it's not fair. I'm going to bring justice to everything. That's who I am. I'm God. Nobody's greater. And that's what he says. And if you know that, it changes our view of God. If we have a view of God that God has just removed and letting it go, it messes up everything. And I'm going to display this to you in the scriptures that we read today outside um, in John chapter 17. And we have some uh, blanks on the bulletins if you want to fill that in. We have our inaccurate view, right? And our in- I'm going to go through a couple things and show you how they, they connect together and what the problem is in our own lives. Our inaccurate view of God leads us to have an inaccurate view of church. If we look at those verses 1 through, th- um, through 3, he says... I, Father, time has come. Glorify your son that you may be glorified. I've granted authority. Now this is eternal life. In other words, I want the church to experience eternal life, that they know you because they know me. And if we don't know God, if we don't know who God is, and we see God clearly, last week we talked about the eyes of our heart and seeing God clearly, then it gives us an accurate view of God. And if we have that inaccurate view of God, then we have an inaccurate view of what the church is to be about. If we view the church, if we view that God is just God here, then we begin to believe that the church is an institution. Then we believe the church is just a country club where we just gather together and feel good here and there or we do little uh, group things. Or we believe that, and this is the main one, that we believe that church is entertainment for us. And somewhere along the line, church has gotten mixed up to the point of being church about me rather than church about God. Somewhere along the line, we forgot about this thing called reverence for God. We gathered here for one reason. Yes, for God to speak to us, but this has nothing to do with me and you. It has everything to do with God. Absolutely everything. And most churches, and, and when we go looking for church and when we're engaged in church, we say, hey, what's this got for me? Rather than saying, hey, can I connect to God here? That's what we need to ask, no matter where we are. It's great in Jewish tradition. When you go to the Wailing Wall, which is the most holy place because it was near the temple, they don't turn their back on God. They, they back up like this. 
out of reverence for God. Now, God's not hanging out on the wall like Humpty Dumpty there, but God is, the, the presence of God is there and the reverence for God is there. And guess what? You can have reverence for God in the middle of a junkyard. It's not about place. It's not about style. It's not about anything. It's about where your heart is and the, the accurate view that you have of God. When we recognize that, that God is God and I am not and he's in control of everything and he has unfailing love, then no matter what church I'm in, no matter what situation, I'm going to say, guess what? I'm going to meet God here. I've been to some of the worst church services ever in my life. Ever in my life. And none of them were here, hopefully. Um, and so you have too. But I remember one time, it was so bad, I was sitting next to my dad and it was awful. I, they were doing some kind of like chant thing and it wasn't my thing. And I was like, oh, God, just either kill me or end this real quick because I'm, I've had enough. You're very distant now and I'm getting distant-er. And I remember sitting there and I remember there was this like statue in the back and it was Jesus and he's going, and I said to my dad, hey, look, Jesus is even bored, okay? <laughs> and... Um, and so we decided to go ahead and have this joke, and my dad's like laughing. Probably not the most reverent thing, but we at least found the gift of humor in the midst of this boring situation. I figured God has a sense of humor, so he didn't strike me dead. But you know what I mean? I mean, we all have those things, but somewhere in there, I found something to connect to God. Even if it was, I remember one time, I, went, I was out at a conference, and I was going to rent a car and go from San Diego area up to, um, like, Close to Los Angeles, it was going to be in a, in a church called Mosaic, um, which is a, a fantastic cutting-edge church with Erwin. Anybody heard of Erwin McManus? He's the pastor there. And it's really cutting-edge. I wanted to go see it. And somebody who was on the trip with me talked me into going to this other church that talked about that they were going to have this really awesome style of worship. So I said, okay, we'll go. And I went, and I sat down. And it, you know, it was like, there was, it was just, the music was awful. The the style was awful. They had a bed sheet hung up for a screen. Um, and I, I could have found it anywhere, but my hope was to go someplace to see something else. And I remember the person who convinced me to do that was outside. And over next there, they had in the small room, in the big sanctuary, they had this worship that was anything but for me. And, it was, and in my connection to God, it was really hard. And then over here, in, packed in this room, they had a Hispanic worship that was all in, in Spanish. And they were all crammed in this little room. And... And I remember being actually mad. I was mad that I, didn't, that I listened to this person and didn't go to Mosaic. And so I'm walking. She's talking to somebody. And I said, I'm going to Spanish worship. And I walked in. And I sat into Spanish worship. I, I knew enough Spanglish to kind of connect. But let me tell you something. The worship was absolutely incredible. I didn't need to know any words because the Spirit of God was moving so awesome. And I came out and I said, thanks for making me stay here because the Spanish worship was awesome. That other crap, I have no clue what it was, but Spanish was awesome. She said, what did they talk about? I said, I don't know, but it was God. It was awesome, right? And so, you know, we can find it somewhere. We can find a connection to God somewhere. So that's, that's the first thing. The next thing is our inaccurate view of church leads us to have an inaccurate view of ourselves. You see, in verses 4 through 10, I'm going to have you go ahead and read that. And he said, now, Father, glorify me in your presence. And he says, I want, you to, I want to pray for those disciples that you gave me, that those words that they accepted, that they believed me, and I pray for them, that they're not going to be taken out of the world, that they're going to be in the world, but not of the world. And, and we quote that in churches. But how many times have you been to, been to met Christian people who have no clue what's going on in the world? No, nothing at all. And, you know, sometimes when we go meet with them and we talk to them, we have this commonality in Christ. But somehow along the line, we break this commonality 
because they know nothing about what's going on in the world because we keep them locked away somewhere, hidden in, in our world. And like, for instance, anybody ever seen that show Doomsday Preppers? Anybody ever seen that? Where people believe the world's going to end, and so they build like these bunkers of hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they've got stockpiles for, for thousands of years and everything. And one of the things that distresses me the most when I see this is the fact that some of those quote scripture and are Christians. And I got to tell you, if the world's going to end, I hope I'm out of here before that happens as I read the scripture. Anybody with me here? Okay, because if I'm preparing, I'm hoping I'm not preparing for me to stay behind. Because if I did, I messed up somewhere along the line, right? And maybe I should take that money to go ahead and, and deal with world poverty while I'm here in the world. But if I put up a blind eye and say, no world poverty, no addiction, no nothing, blah, 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 blah. I just got to prepare in case the world ends. Well, enjoy yourself in that bunker because I'm going to enjoy myself in heaven. And so that's where we got an accurate view of God and the church. The church is never to be about, we got to go ahead and take care of ourselves. It should be, we need to take care of the world. Because that's what Jesus did, and that's what he told us to do. Saying, go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? And I am with you always. He ain't going to hide in the bunker with you. It's not what's happening. I'll give you a good example. When the disciples were locked away after Jesus was crucified, he walked in the door and said, what the heck are you doing in here? He said, well, you killed He's like, come on, let's go. He never wanted them to be locked up. And many of us exist as, as the church that is on Good Friday, locked in the door, than rather be in the, the church of Pentecost that it goes to all the nations. All right? So an accurate view of church leads us to an, an accurate view of ourselves, an accurate view of ourselves will lead to this one in verses 11 through 17. An accurate view of ourselves leads to an inaccurate view of our, our mission and the world around us. It's a picture of our calling. We can't just lock stuff away and hold on to it, as I, as I mentioned. We've got to recognize that there is a mission field out there, and we can't have this inaccurate mission. The world is never intended. You know, the world's got some really cool stuff in it, but the world was never intended for just us. God made some really enjoyable stuff while we're here, but I want you to think about the minutia of your life, okay? I shared this with a class the other day. I said, think about this. In about 60, in about six, seven decades, maybe eight, we'll give you eight, everybody you know, everybody who knew you is going to be dead. And you're just going to be a name on a tombstone and in a piece of paper. Have a great Sunday, okay, right? That's all, that's all it's about. So in, in the grand scheme of eternity, we're this. In the grand scheme of life on earth, we're this. And we all want to be more than that. How do we be more than that? We recognize that we have an accurate view of the church, so we have an accurate view of what our calling is to go and make disciples of all nations. I'm, it's still ringing in my ear when Donna at a leadership team meeting said, this is a mission church, and you should be proud of that. And I said, that's awesome. But you know what? You know what's sad? That we have to say something is a mission church and something is not a mission church. Because as I read the scripture, that's what church is supposed to be about. Supposed to, not supposed to be. Okay, supposed to be about... We are supposed to be about mission to the rest of the world so that the world comes to know Jesus Christ. And sometimes we can't, we can't give the good news of Jesus on a cross dying and raising again until maybe we feed somebody. 
How can you tell somebody that God loves them and then send them home when they have an empty belly? How can we tell somebody the love of Christ if we're doing nothing to help with addiction? How can we tell somebody that there's a love of Christ and that God doesn't want you to kill your baby um, that's in you and then we do nothing to help them but just say, enjoy life? I know that's a big one. But as I see, we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God, every one of us, whether mistake or not. And we as a church got to stop talking about it and start doing something with it. This is crazy love. This isn't just... I love you, and I'm going to do what I want to. I'm stepping all over myself in the midst of this. We need to embrace our mission in the world around us. We can't just look at a checklist. Uh, did that, did that, did this, did this. There's pleasure in the blessings of God, not in the stuff around us. Jesus said so many times, you can go back to this verse, John 17, here's your homework. You can go back in this verse and say, and, and read this and say, I am not of this world. She said, I'm not of this world. They are not of this world. You're not of this world. We are just passing through. And it's a kind of good trip that we're having here. We need to be salt and light. We're made different in the image of God. God's world is to reveal his character. And we re- see that through God's word. In the Old Testament, God revealed himself in his character. He revealed that in several different ways. Through his righteousness, his love, his justice, even his wrath and his promises. In the New Testament, God revealed his character through Jesus Christ. And so what we see is this. All right, ready? You guys need some love right now, don't you? Okay, here we go. Need some love. Here you go, Harry. There's some love for you, buddy. All right, here you go. Here we go. Get you guys in the back. There we go. All right. All right. Pay attention. Here we go in the back. All right. There you go. One more. There you go. All right. I'm going to have to get a shot after giving out all these kisses. All right. One of the things that we do know, and I can tell you you can take this to the bank. God is madly in love with you. God is madly in love with you. How do I know that? Let's take a look here. We can see it in creation. We can see that God is madly in love with you for creation. The way we were created, creation is simply amazing. From the way our bodies work, like... What happened there? Um, Kiss must have knocked it off, all right? We can see it from the way our bodies work and how carefully we're planned and how carefully the animals are put together. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it tells us this. It says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. In other words, you take a look around you and you see that God is awesome. That God is awesome how he made stuff. The second way we can see, we can also read that in Job and other areas. The second way we especially see God's love is how God created us for a purpose. In Jeremiah chapter 1, 5 through 8 said, before I, you can look at the whole verse, but it says, before I formed you, I knew you. Again, that's that word, Konosko. I, I intimately knew you. That God knew, God knew you were going to be a mess. God knew that Jack was going to, think the things he does and say the things he does and act the way he does, and yet he still loved me and still created me knowing that I'm the mess that I am. Before he knew me, before I was formed in the womb of my mother, he knew me. In Ephesians, you don't believe just that, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says this, we, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. In other words, we're created in Jesus for a purpose, 
which God determined beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, God's got a plan for your life, and you're not going to be happy. You're not going to get it. You're not going to experience the full love of God until you reach out and accept that. And ultimately, this is number three. Ultimately, we see God's love in the fact that God made you to be you. Look at the person next to you. Even you know him or not, say, I love you. Even though God made you that way. Even though God made you that way you are. Anybody ever said, man, I wish you would just be like so-and-so. And if you ever thought, I wish I'd be like that. Don't wish you would be like anybody. Wish that you were who God created you to be. God wants you to do something special in your life. God wants you to be who you created to be. You are special. You are unique. Even though I told you that throughout of all of history that we're like this, there is no one that is like you anywhere. From a genetic structure all the way through, no one in the world has been created or will be created like you. You are unique and special, and God loves you more than you could ever tell. He loves you so much. He could have just made like a carbon copy. Boop, 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 boop. There they go. But he wanted to make you unique and special. In Zephaniah, everybody reads that every week, I know. (laughs) Zephaniah 317 says, Somebody said, is that in the Bible? Okay, yeah, next to first hesitation. Um, that's not in there, okay? Um, the, Lord, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves you. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Why don't you stop for a second and say what that says? Anybody have, you know, when kids are real little? And they may be sleeping or you're trying to get them to sleep. What do you do? You rock them and you sing to them. When Jacob was little, I used to sing, We are climbing Jacob's ladder. We are climbing. Remember that song? See, look, he's going to sleep right now by me saying it. <laughs> All right? With Emma Miguel, I used to sing, You're the end of the rainbow, my pot of gold, your daddy's little girl. Right? Remember that? All right. And I, I think I sang like Inagata de Vida for somebody else, but um, <laughs> uh, sorry, look it up. I don't know. But you know, we sing over our kids. How many of you ever sang over your kid? Why? You love them, it soothes them, it makes them comfortable. And there's nothing like that little kid that's in your arms that may have been so tense and so worried and so frustrated. And when you sing over them, they just do what? Let go. And they know they're safe in your arms. You see, God knows that this world he created is a little messy at times. But he knows when he picks you up in his arms that he just begins to sing over you. He begins to sing that you're his pride and joy and love over your life. That you can just relax and know you're in the hands of God. You see, it is totally undeniable that God is madly in love with you. But I have one other question to ask you today. Is it undeniable that you are madly in love with God? That's what we're going to talk about in crazy love here. You know, there's a guy named Gary Chapman. Who's ever heard of Gary Chapman? He wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. The Five Love Languages. And you know what? This is really cool. If you look up, I want everybody to do this. You watch it online. You definitely have a computer. You can do this. I want you to Google it. 
The five love languages quiz, you can actually take the quiz online. It's great for relationships. It tells you how each of, um, how you, uh, the love that you have and how you experience love and want to experience love in your life. It'll break it down off of five different areas um, and will tell you about how you like to receive love and what, what uh, affects you with love. And it's very fascinating how that happens. So as we look here, I'm gonna, as we wind down today, I want to rip through some of these very quick and say not only are these important for our own lives and our own relationships, but it's very important for our love relationship with God. How do we give God love? How do we like to give and receive love? And so the first one that he talks about is words of affirmation. And when we look at words of affirmation, words of affirmation are simply you hear good things. Like when you go ahead and you do something it's, and you, the person that you love comes up to you and goes, Oh, that's awesome. You did such a great job. And you say, yeah, I did. Thank you. Awesome. You like to get good words. You like to get those good feelings, those expressed appreciation and kind words. And so if you look at this, you say, Jack, okay, how, how do I go ahead and, and have these words of affirmation with God? You know, this is what we call praise and worship. Okay, it's praise and worship. And again, we got to go back and look at our interactive view of God. Praise and worship is not about us. It's about God. And when we look at this, here's what we do. So um, Gary Chapman says, do this with your relationships, but I think it's also a great thing to do with God. List the things that you're thankful to God for. List all the things that you're like, man, God, you're awesome. You gave me this. You did this. That's great that you did this for me, God. That's, That's amazing. All the things that you've done for me. And then tell him about it and express it publicly. Express it when you sing when you sing a song, when you say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Think of all those wonderful things that God has done in your life. Say, oh, man, I think about that. I think about when I was lost and even maybe I may have been so depressed and suicidal. And I thank you that, God, you raised me up from that. You just say, and then you can say, Holy Spirit, you sing, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here a lot more. Right? When you thank God for the things that he's done for you. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving um, thanks to his name. The second thing that we have is acts of service. Acts of service. And it's it's doing things. So how do we know what to do for God? The scripture is very clear, and it says in John John 14, it tells us that we, we need to obey God's commands joyfully, not out of obligation, it says this. I know many, another view of the church is, you need to do, you must, bam, ha, we hem you in and we hit you harder with big Bibles on the head to get through your head. And then what we end up doing is making the, the, uh, the commands of God be something that is weighty rather than something that is joyful. God wants us to joyfully do that. And here's what he says. He said, greater life has no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. And he says, you are my friends. And most of us stop it there. But the rest of it goes, you are my friends if you do what I command you to do. Okay? It's so easy to say we love God. So easy to say we're Christians, but we need to live that out. In James chapter 1, it talks about real religion. Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion, and this is from the message version, is hot air and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. You ready to find out? Reach out to the homeless and the loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. That means we've got to do some stuff, right? Isn't that how I read it? It means it, I can't just sit. I've got to do. I've got to be. I've got to be engaged. 
Next thing here that we have is gifting. How many like getting gifts? How many like giving gifts? All right? Gifting. That's getting gifts, and that tells you that you're loved. And in this case, it's not just, not just money or time that's part of it. It's the gift of yourself. Like, for instance, I love you guys so much, I'm going to give you a kiss again. Here we go. Here we go. More kisses. More kisses for everybody. Here we go. More kisses way in the back. There we go. More kisses. Here you go. See how much I love you. There you go. Back there. See how much I love you. I give you stuff. It's not only the gift of, of just stuff, though. It's the gift of... Here you go, Jay. It's the gift of giving yourself. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, therefore, and when you see therefore, it's, you got to look what it's... Therefore, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper act of worship. You know what God wants more than anything? He wants you. Remember that old hymn, Just As I Am? Without one play, here's the awesome thing. God loves you so much. He wants you just as you are in the mess that you are, but he loves you so much that he's not going to leave you that way. God wants you that way. Next thing, number four, quality time. Spend some worthwhile time with God. Not just quick, boom, done, checklist. But study and meditate on God's word. Get in private worship and devotion to God. Look at what it says in Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law or the word of the Lord and who meditate on it day and night. That, what that means is that you're constantly thinking about God, constantly thinking about how God can use you, constantly thinking about You know how when you're really in love with somebody, you're really, really in love with somebody and the relationship's even new or you may still, it may still be that way after many, many years. I know it is for Melissa. And so you're going on year and year and year, and all you do is just think about them, and you, they walk in the door, and they could be sweaty and stinking. You go, ah, I love you. You know, you think about this. This is how you need to be with God. To always be like, man, I'm always thinking about you, God. God, I always love you. Oh, man, God, today, just use me. Oh, God, just show me who you are. Oh, just a touch from you. Just, a, just something from you, God. Just let me have it. All right? That's crazy love. And number five, physical touch. How do we touch God? Do we go, mm. is that why we're lifting our hands? We're trying to feel him up here somewhere? All right. No. You know, in the biblical times, and I'm also going to say today, we have people that we consider outcasts. In biblical times, it was lepers. Today, it could be people who are homeless. It could be people who are uneducated. It could be people who are addicts. It could be people who have HIV and AIDS. The list can go on and on and on and on. It could be prostitutes. It could be people who are from other countries. The list is very, very long. So what do we do with that? How do we reach out to them? Let's look at what Jesus did as we wind this down. In Matthew it says, And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus did what? put out his hand and touched him. There's a power in touch that sadly our world and our world that Satan in this world has perverted. 
And we need to reach out to people with the love of Christ so that we can bring healing to someone's life. I know many times people who are in areas where there's HIV and and sometimes just, even if you have on the gown or whatever, and you reach over an infectious disease or anything, somebody has you reach over and touch them, they feel it. They feel better. So what do we do here? What do we do with all this stuff? Remember, I, I'm not going to read this verse again, but I want you to just look at that verse from Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37, about loving the Lord your God with everything that you have and recognize that all the law and the prophets, all the whole scripture, everything that God intended for this world rests on that. And in closing today, as next week we're going we're gonna to move to another verse, I, another section is John Piper, a pastor, a pa- great pastor for many, many years, and as our worship team comes up, wrote this in the book God and the Gospel, or God is the Gospel, said this, the critical question for our generation and for every generation is this, if you could have heaven with no sickness, with all the friends you've ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked, and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed, and all the natural beauties you ever saw, and all the physical pleasures you ever tasked, and no human conflict or any natural disaster, could you be satisfied in heaven if Christ was not there? If you had everything you have on earth, but you didn't have Jesus, would you be satisfied? I mean, dig deep, would you? It's crazy. It's crazy love. Next week, I'm going to talk to you, and the title of the sermon is going to be Stop Praying. We're going to talk about that. I I want you to connect and just connect your hearts to this and just stand right now where we are. This isn't easy. It's not easy anytime we want to grow deeper with the Lord and we want to connect a little bit deeper. You know, getting into a, a love relationship with people is not easy. But are you willing to self-sacrifice? Are you willing to do in the example of Jesus? Lay your life down for the cause. And the cause in this case is the one who is what he will is and what he will be what he will be. He's God and he loves you undeniably. Do you love him undeniably? Let's pray. Lord God, as we're here today and we are introing this um, series, Crazy Love, I pray that as we struggle, struggle's good to go through. It's good to go through our faith and God, there's some good things. There's some bad things in our faith and there's some good things about the church. There's not a good thing. But God, ultimately, I just pray that we will seek your face and seek who you are and that we will love you. We'll understand our love languages so that we can understand how we need to give and receive love from and to you. So God, now through the rest of this time together, which is winding down, we're just going to lift up your name and ask you to meet us where we are. And ask ourselves the question, could we be satisfied in heaven if we had everything that we think is so wonderful, but Jesus is not there? It's crazy to love you. Help us just take a little step and say, all right, I'm going to throw the cards on the table and I'm going to go ahead and say, all right, God, I want to test you on this love thing. I pray for every small group that's going to meet. And if we have another need for another one, let's have another one whatever we need in order that this church and anybody in the sound of my voice can hear you and say, I want to love you more deeply. I want to really know what Jesus is about. So God, do your thing. Because I know my plans fail in comparison because you are the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. And you love me. And I want to thank you for that. God, if anybody needs to pray right now and needs, wants to come up for a need in their life, 
or they want to just reach out and accept you and your offer of love and your son Jesus Christ for the very first time, that they say very simply this, hey, I, I missed the mark, I'm a sinner, and you're the answer, and I'm willing to, to, to go ahead and, and give you a shot and have you do something in my life that I never thought I could experience. And then we just share that with each other right now. And God, let us recognize that worship is for you as we worship you. In Jesus' name. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you 
There we go. I turned myself off. All right. So we kicked it off today. Uh, great connection. I hope everybody's ready. Excited. Um, did Terry head out already? Okay. Terry's over here. If you want to get a, a crazy love book, and, it, and honestly, if, if there's some kind of thing with financing, talk to us. We want you to get the content, um, you know, and we'll, we'll work with that. All right. Um, but if you want to get that, connect. Um, love for you to get them and have those. And next week... We're going to talk about stop praying, and you guys are going to go, what? What's that all about? Come back next week. You got to hear that. And I gave you a kiss, and I got a real smushy kiss for somebody here. I'm going to give that to my wife right over here. So, um, All right, have a great week. God bless. Say hi to somebody.